ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either. You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Woo, cha. I done woke up to some shit. <laughs> Usually when I say or write things that are controversial, I have some idea when I post. I expect them some feedback, some spirited feedback, if you will. Yesterday was the Met Gala. I watched the red carpet. I watched the official Vogue feed. Kiki Palmer was hosting. She had a co-host. There's a little white girl. I don't know her name. Alana? Alana? Aurora? I, I don't remember. I hadn't seen her before. But I tuned in for Kiki. And when I first tuned in, it was the early part of the show. It was equal parts between Kiki and the other girl. Kiki was killing it. She was doing an amazing job. I will watch her do anything. She just has the right amount of, I don't know. I described it as Kiki is sober, acting like high Whitney. And it's a really funny way to behave, but it works for Kiki. It works so amazingly well for her. And I was just like, I will watch you talk about anything, talk to anyone. She's very personable and she's very well-informed. She has a really great chatter and she just has good personality. Like she's just a good time to watch on TV. So she was doing an excellent job. And at one point, like I forgot the other girl was there. They were cutting back and forth between them. And then it was just Kiki for like an hour and we didn't see the other girl. And I was like, well, that's fine. I could do without her. Very nice girl. She seemed very sweet. But just between her and Kiki, like Kiki is the star of the show. But she was so good. But I watched this live feed. Beautiful gowns. And I don't mean that like shady Aretha way. I mean, just there were some beautiful gowns. I was really enjoying the fashion or fashion in quotes because some folks I was like, what, what is this? But, you know, it's, it's an artistic expression. Okay. I wrote commentaries about three outfits that I felt stood out the most. One of them was Iman. Like the theme of the Met Gala this year was... Like Americana, lexicon of American fashion, something like that. And Kiki kept asking everyone what their influences were. And so it was all across the board. I remember like the Currys, um, people said they look bland. It's the costume ball. So things tend to be like over the top. They didn't really do too much. Aisha had on this gorgeous sequin gown. I thought she looked lovely. I think some other people, you know, they did a lot of costume and they look crazy. And I think like the idea is to have the balance. But if you can't achieve one, I'd rather see you go lovely than look crazy. Steph had on this jacket with like some gold beading on it. And he was like, you know, it was influenced by Michael Jackson. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like I see where we're going here. Yara Shahidi, she had this beautiful dress, had a cape with it. And she said she was inspired by Josephine Baker, which, you know, black American. Although she's really well known for living in Paris. Like she was a staunchly like black, black girl. I want to say from like, what, St. Louis? But a lot of black people said they were influenced by various black American icons, which, okay, fine. So anything American could have been the influence. I tell you that because Iman showed up in this outfit that was jaw-dropping. This was this year's version of, okay, remember when Billy, what's Billy's last name? Billy Porter. Billy Porter came to the Met Gala one year and he had on that all gold outfit and he swooped up his arms and there were wings. Iman did her version 
of that. So like no wings, but it was very much giving us, I felt Wakanda. Like she had this big, gorgeous headpiece. Like I'm sure it's feathers, but it looks furry. It looks like, okay, in Wakanda, what's the really big dude, the gorilla, Winston Duke, right? The gorilla, right? They came down from the mountains. If he got married in Wakanda, this looks like the type of dress that his wife might wear coming down the aisle. Or that's a whole different culture. I don't know if they have an aisle. But this looks like what his wife might wear on her wedding day. It's fabulous. Iman is, I think, 66. She looks so, so good. There was a little bit of controversy about this picture, though, because at least the version I posted, there's tons of cameras going off all at the same time, and she's blown out. So some people were like, I looked at that picture and I thought Iman was Vanessa Williams. And I was like, oh, no, those, those are two different people with two entirely different hues. And they were like, hence the problem. Why does Iman look so damn light? The picture I posted, I saw it, I gasped, I screenshotted it and I put it up, right? I wanted everyone to like gag out with me about this image. But there are other photos of her where she is her proper shade of brown. Iman is not bleaching. She has not dusted herself in some 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 light woman's makeup. She is still very much the brown Iman that we have all come to know and love since forever. But she don't look no parts of forever here. Like she looks like she looks like a good, like I would say, comfortably. A woman in her 40s. Comfortably. That's that good black. Or that's some good Iman makeup. Cause she looks amazing. It don't make no sense for her to look this good. She's still very much giving us supermodel realness. Somebody was like, look, she's spending that David Bowie inheritance money. And I was like, girl, I was like, Iman came with her own money and it looks like combined income. I just wanted to recognize that Iman came with her own. That's all I'm saying. I didn't think that would be controversial. The problem is, it's not a problem. It's a, it's a situation. With the popularity of the podcast and some other writings that I may have done, some other commentaries I may have given, it's opened the page up to different audiences. You understand what I'm saying? So sometimes the new audience people don't understand the commentary and the culture of the page. So I wrote about Iman. The first thing I wrote, the first line says, you can't outdo black people, which, you know, the audience that I write to, is is black people it's black women other people are welcome to enjoy but the audience that I speak to is black folks but with the popularity of the podcast and some other projects different audiences of people have been visiting the page the page and they get upset when they see things like you can't outdo black people and so this line which was given to, you know, uplift Iman and say in a shorthand, she looks fucking amazing, has somehow become controversial. And so my Facebook page is like full of non-Wakandan people who are very upset and are accusing me of being a racist and furthering the racial divide and all sorts of other like, you know, nutso shit because they don't understand the culture, and I think they're upset that the page is not adapting to include them. We create safe spaces because we need safe spaces. And like the idea that you want to join a space and then change it, it defeats the purpose of the safe space. 
to listen to black people speaking to other black people and then accuse them of being racist because you don't understand the phrasing or the commentary or the culture. Like just really, that's a lot. The other bit of commentary I wrote about little Nas X who is always controversial. He, I mean, that's what he, he does it intentionally, but for the Met Gala, he had on, it looked like a King's cape, I would say. It's this beautiful, decadent fabric. And he walks on the red carpet, you know, in this robe. And then he takes it off. And underneath, he's got on like this gold armor, like this gold body plate armor situation. And then he takes that off. And he essentially has on like a gold Versace cat suit. He's so damn extra. I loved it. I thought he was amazing. He's coming off the heels of a win at the VMAs. I think it was for best video for... um. Call Me By Your Name. He did an amazing performance as well at the VMAs for his latest song, Industry Baby. He reenacted the, um, the shower scene in that video. So it's like him and, I don't know, 20 black men in pink glitter hot pants, gyrating, flexing, popping their dicks. Like it was, it was so much and so over the top. And I was like, yo, middle America is about to fucking explode. And Boozy, Boozy specifically. Boozy hates that man so much. I'm like, sir, just fulfill your gay dreams. You talk about this man and his gayness way too much. I loved it. I think he's a professional troll. I've said that a million times. I think he deserves to be bubble wrapped for his own good and safety and protection. Last night, he decided to like he decided to layer himself up in a whole bunch of velvet. I was like, as long as he's safe, he looks warm, actually hot. It was like 80 something degrees in New York yesterday. And this man is walking around with like two layers of outfits, plus like the equivalent of like grandma's comforter on his shoulders. I didn't post the picture when he was in his Versace cat suit. Like I thought it would be fine. Not too controversial, but like, again, woke up this morning to like all these like you black women condoning this, uh, condoning this homosexuality, this, uh, this, this perversion. I was like, yo, I don't understand how y'all find this content. I don't even think I tagged the Met. I definitely didn't tag like hashtag little Nas X. How do y'all even find this content to come and just be homophobic about? It's like people have never just heard of just scrolling past. Like I see some content I don't like, I don't enjoy. Just just keep scrolling. It's just, it, it could be that easy. But it's just like you black women and your support of this perversion. No real men, the downfall of the black community. So a man in like, I don't know, grandma's fur or a cat suit is the downfall of the black community. Like it's not, it's not violence in the community, like not gang violence, not domestic violence, not murders, not rape, not economics, not sexism, definitely not homophobia, but LGBT people and the women who refuse to discriminate against them. That's the downfall of the black community. Fuck it. Okay, sure. And then the other thing, because it's three at once. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I haven't slammed like this in a long time. This is not new, but it's just, you know, it's been a minute. And again, I didn't expect it. That's why I was like, what the fuck? Kim Kardashian, for the last month or so, uh, I think from the second time 
Kanye did his Donda listening party, he started walking around with a mask on his face. Like, looks like a stocking cap. Kim started doing it too back in August. Also, because I'm getting like blown up about it right now. I had to go look and be like, where did this come from? She also did it last year as a Halloween costume. She wore like all pink with her face covered and her ponytail out. So last night at the Met Gala, she shows up in in this this getup. She has her whole face covered. She's wearing all black, which is fine. She looks like she has a bag on her head. She's been, again, dressing like this for like the last like month and change. This wasn't a statement she made for the Met Gala. She's been dressing like this all along. And she continued to dress like this when she showed up at the Met Gala. Now, to be clear, Kim's a grown ass woman. I say this all the time about people doing what they want. Kim is grown. She can do whatever she wants. I respect her right to do whatever she wants. I also saw her and was like, yo, is, is she okay? Genuinely, like, I was like, yo, is she okay? And I was like, I know a lot of people don't fuck with her. But, like, at the same time, I don't want anything bad to happen to her. And just, like, you know, like, a wellness check, maybe. Like, legit, is Kim okay? And I asked because she's walking around with a bag on her head. And people are like, oh, it's fashion. It's a statement. And people are, like, injecting all these things that it may or may not mean. Which, you know, I get it. It's the Met Gala. It's art. Art is all received differently and subjectively. I'm not saying it's not art. I'm not saying it's not a statement. I have no idea what statement she's making. And still, art or no art, she has a bag over her head. And people are like, you're asking if she's okay. Like, you know, that's insensitive. Just because, you know, she wore something you don't like. It's not a matter of me not liking it. It's a matter of she has a bag on her head. We're going to pretend this is normal? Really? Okay. Walk around with the bag on your head. Do it. You should. If that's what you feel that you want to do, you should do it. I'm going to ask you, or if I see a picture of you, I'm going to text you and be like, hey, sis, you okay? I'm going to check on you. Because that's what decent people do when they see someone walking around with a bag on their head. I was like, yo, check on Kim, check on the kids, make sure everything's okay. Because, like, this looks like a woman that's unwell. And people are like, look at you projecting. You don't know what's going on with her. Why would you say that about her? I'm like, is this woman still not in the middle of her third divorce? And with kids for after you've been dealing with a bipolar husband for the last four years who's who once got on the Internet and told everybody you wanted to abort your first kid, that type of shit. And then you want to be like, how could you assume she's unwell? How could you assume she's well? She's dealing with that man and she has a bag on her head, people. Come on, y'all. I get people want to be PC. I totally do. She has a bag on her head. I'm not saying she's unwell. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with her. I hope there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. I'm just saying, I hope she's okay. I think someone should do a quick ask and be like, hey, girl, you good? Just checking in. I do this every week. Do I not? Last week, I was like, check on your life of the party friend. I and lots of other people often say, check on your strong friend. The friend that everybody turns to when they need help often doesn't have someone to turn to. Part of the reason that she's considered the strong friend is because she doesn't tell you about her weaknesses. It doesn't mean she doesn't have them. It just means she doesn't talk to you about them. Check on your strong friend. It's okay to check on folks. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. People are like, you need to worry about your own life and your own inner circle. I do. And I also have the capacity to still have more concern, especially when I see someone who looks like they're in distress. And why would I say she looks like she's in distress? Because she has a bag on her head. Yeah. 
Otherwise, the Met Gala was like absolutely amazing. I mean, not that we actually saw the gala, but just the red carpet. I didn't necessarily appreciate all the fashion, but I did appreciate the number of black folks who appeared, whether I liked their clothes or not. I mean, like everybody was there. Like Regina King was there. Gabrielle Union was there. Meg the Stallion was there. Uh, Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige looked amazing. Mary loves a gold moment, a good gold dress moment. She does a lot of gold. She looks amazing in gold. So she stuck to what worked. I feel like Mary went as herself and was like, I am Americana. Good day. Michaela Cole, her bone structure is so beautiful. Her skin is so beautiful and so clear. She's like the perfect human. I think she's so beautiful. She's on this like blue jumpsuit. I don't know if it was supposed to be like American blue or if it was just blue because like, you know, black people look good in jewel colors. Oh, she looks so beautiful. Who else was there? I saw somebody, th- some, I saw somebody say they were like, everybody black is here. It's looking like the Soul Train Awards, which I was like, yes, I love it. One of my friends was like, there's no exclusivity. They just let anybody in. And I was like, I mean, I hear you. I do. I do. But I'm like my mom in that way or my grandfather. Like I remember as a kid, my grandfather would be like, hey, 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 it's colored folks on TV. And that was like the sign for me to come and watch TV because who wouldn't want to watch colored folks on TV? And keep in mind, like my grandfather was born in like the late 1920s. So like he remembers life without TV and he remembers TV before there were black people on it. Like it was a big deal to see a black person on TV. And it remained a big deal. To him, his whole life. Because he'd be like, hey, it's colored folk on the TV. My mom does the same thing. My mother will watch anything with black people. Like, she will literally, she will flip the channels until she sees black people. And then she'll just, she'll just watch black people. Whatever it is. I'm like, mommy, this is terrible. And she was like, yeah, I just wanted to watch some black people, though. That's how I felt, like, watching the red carpet for the Met Gala. Like, I was like, mm, you know. It was a lot of black people. It didn't seem very exclusive. It seemed like, you know, everybody who is ready, willing and available, like come, come as you are. And I just wanted to see black people. I had this really weird moment last night watching the Met Gala. I felt really old in a way that I didn't feel watching the VMAs, even though like I watched it and like this is like Sunday night. I was like, who are these people? Yeah, but I didn't feel old then probably because I didn't care. But at one point in the Met Gala, like I said, Kiki was hosting and she was doing an excellent job. And the runner, not saying her name for a reason, the runner with the orange hair and the long fingernails who was supposed to go to the Olympics and then smoke some weed and they found it in her system and she got disqualified. You know who I'm talking about, right? You know her name, right? So Kiki sees her on the red carpet and she's like, Shikari, Shikari, Shikari. And the runner woman, who was not named Shikari, by the way, stops her and she says, you know, she has that little voice. She says, Miss Kiki, it's Shakiri. Which I was like, is it? I mean, she would know better than I. Kiki was like, oh, I'm sorry or whatever. And she immediately corrected herself and she referred to Shakiri with the proper pronunciation of her name. No harm, no foul. What hit me, though, was the Miss Kiki. I watched Kiki Palmer and I'm proud of her like big sis. I recognize her grown womanness, but in my head, she's Akila in the B. She's still that little girl to me. I see Regina King as Brenda from 227. 
and she's older than me, but she's always going to be Brenda because I met her as Brenda and that's when I like fell in love with her. And I was like, huh, Brenda, Lester, Mary, Sandra. It brings me joy. But to hear someone refer to Kiki, who I think of as a little girl, as Miss Kiki with the respect of the Miss because Shakiri was recognizing Kiki's grownness in comparison to her. She was showing her respect with Miss. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> like people that I think of as like babies are being called Miss because they grown grown. I was like, oh my God, where did the time go? Shakiri looked really cute too. I've never seen her with black hair before. She's always got some colorful something going on. But of all places, of all places that we've seen her, the Met Gala is where she like, you know, brought it down to a 10. She looked great. I want all good things for her. I know she's had some missteps. A few. She hasn't been leading her races. But I like to point out to folks when they criticize her, her mama just died. Like what? In June? We met her, quote and unquote, met her. Right after her mom had passed. That was in June. It's September. She's still working through some shit. Like, it's fresh. I mean, I don't think you ever get over your mom dying. But she ain't had a chance to get through it yet either. I know she be annoying sometimes. She annoyed me with something that she did. But I was just like, that's a baby one. And two, her mama just died, y'all. That little compassion is necessary. (sighs) Do we need to talk about the VMAs in depth? Madonna looked crazy. She opened the show. She didn't perform. There was like this pre-recorded moment where she was saying that basically she grew up with MTV and between her videos and their airwaves, it turned her into a star. She arrived in New York with like $30 and big dreams and told the cab, take me to Times Square. I was like the mythology people create for themselves. Okay. But on stage, like she walked out, she had on like a bodysuit and a jacket trying to figure out a way to say this diplomatically she's done many things to her face like she has no she has no expressions like it's just it's just blank yeah it's yeah like she says what she says I don't know if she was nervous or there was something wrong with the teleprompter like she fumbles it and then she turns around and walks away and she has like this gigantic ass but like with tiny thighs so it's like it looks like wisdom toothy it's it's I'm just It's not new. She got added ass like a while ago. This isn't new ass, but it's, it's ass. And yeah, I, I don't have anything nice to say. I'm trying to think what else stood out from the show. We talked about little Nas X. Normandy did amazing. I knew from something else she could dance her ass off. And I don't know how I knew that. Like shout out to her, the dancers, And the choreographer. The choreographer needs a raise because she was amazing. I didn't much care for the little piece at the end where she brought out Tiana Taylor. They did some girl-on-girl update of, like, remember Janet Jackson concerts, if you went? She would bring out a guy and, like, strap him to this thing. And she would basically grind on him, and the guy would look like he's about to come in his pants. Like, okay. So, like, Normandy and Tiana Taylor. Tiana Taylor was strapped to the thing, and, like, Normandy essentially, like, dry humped her. I was like, um, I guess. Okay, sure. It's one of those things that was, like, so clearly done for shock value that I guess I've just watched too many MTV awards at this point. There have been 40 of them. I've not seen all 40. Thank you. It's MTV. It's what people do. But I was still like, yeah. Buster Rhymes performed. I personally thought that was the best performance of the night. 
He gave such good energy. And Busta Rhymes still has his knees. Like, Busta Rhymes has, like, Meg the Stallion knees. Like, he got low a couple times and stayed low and was, like, bouncing while low. I mean, not, like, twerking, but he was, like, bouncing back and forth to the beat. And I was like, yo, Busta got knees. He was really good. He did, like, a bunch of his hits. And, like, I wasn't really shocked that he went crazy because I was like, I've, I've... I have sweated through many a good blowout or a good weave dancing to Busta Rhymes. I love Busta Rhymes. Somebody referred to him today as their unproblematic fave. And I was like, is he? The other day I was talking about Nas and Drake and Kanye. Somebody asked me, they were like, you don't have a problem listening to like Nas or Drake or Kanye given as how problematic they are. And I was like... No, I don't. And part of the reason is because, like, if we start cutting everyone off for being for being problematic, who's left? Like, I don't. I really couldn't think of anyone who wasn't problematic. Like Andre three thousand. I don't think he's been accused of anything major. Busta Rhymes. I don't think he's been accused of anything major. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. But I was like, if we if we cut off all the unproblematic people, I'm like, we can't even listen to gospel. Like, everyone's out. So I was like, no, like, you know, I don't listen to R. Kelly because he, he's singing about children. But I was like, everybody else, like, unless your music is directly tied to the crazy shit you do or say, like, I can, I can separate. The point is, Bust is not problematic. And I was like, oh, isn't that refreshing to find someone who actually isn't involved in, like, a bunch of, like, bullshit? Like, you can actually just have a conversation about them without being like, oh, yeah, like, you know. He pees on kids or he wears MAGA hats or wasn't he texting a 17-year-old girl? And I was like, shit, did we ever get to the bottom of why he was texting a 17-year-old girl? Or in Nas case, like, you know, he allegedly beat his ex-wife. She says he did. He says he didn't. Girl, Chloe performed. I like Chloe. I don't like the direction that she's either going in or or being pushed in by the team or I don't, I don't know who's making the calls. I, I don't like it. Everyone keeps commenting that she's giving like baby Beyonce, which I think she is. I think to be compared to Beyonce, to people watch you move, to listen to you sing, to watch you perform and to see in you the talents and skills of one of the best performers or the best performer of our generation is a high compliment. I also don't think we need another Beyonce. Like we still have the first Beyonce. We don't need a second Beyonce. I think we need a Chloe, whoever she is. She's what, like 23? She's still figuring that out. And that's fine. Beyonce now at 40, it was not the same Beyonce we were introduced to 20 years ago. She had to grow into the icon that she currently is. Um, I think Chloe can get there, but I don't think Chloe gets there imitating Beyonce. I think she gets there being Chloe. And I'm not sure that she knows or we know who that is and who it seems is appearing. It just seems very crafted and it's not giving me authentic. She looks like a little girl playing dress up to me. And it's not in the same way of other people who can be very sexy, who we've watched grow up. I was first introduced to Tiana Taylor on MTV, her Sweet 16. 
She was on Pharrell's label at the time and she had a big sweet 16 party and she was like a living Barbie, I think was the theme of the party or something. It was a really dope party. But when I started to see her being very sexy, I didn't see her as a kid. Like when she does sexy, it seems like something that's very authentic to her. Like when Rihanna went from like, you know, Ponda replay Rihanna to Umbrella Rihanna, I felt like Umbrella Rihanna was who Rihanna really was. Chloe, it just doesn't strike me. And I make allowances for like half naked is what sells. You know, she did the song Have Mercy. She did it at the VMAs and she was half naked again. And that's all people seem to be wanting to talk about is Chloe, 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 Chloe. So it's working. I don't know. I want her to win. I think she and her sister are are amazingly talented and beautiful girls. And, and I want them to go far in this industry. And I want them to survive in this industry. But Chloe's direction for me is not working right now. Like, we'll see. She does have the ability to, to change or grow or whatever she wants to do. I will say this. I saw a conversation about her wardrobe choices or lack thereof. So like for the VMAs, I, can't, I lost count of how many times like she bent over, like literally like bent over at the waist or like squatted down and like shook her ass. I felt like I saw nothing but ass that whole performance. And she has an amazing ass. But somebody on my, uh, my Facebook page and was like, look, we all, we all see women with like these amazing bodies and be like, you know what? If I had that body, I'd be butt naked. If I had that body, I'd wear swimsuits everywhere. If I had that body, I'd wear spandex everywhere. If I had that body, I'd wear my ass out everywhere. And they were like, well, look, she does have that body. She's 23. She's hot. She's got fame. She's got money. She has that body that we all say if we had it, we'd flaunt it. So that's what she does. And I was like, well... When you put it like that, it's hard to argue with. I just want her to be known as much for her talent because the girl can sing. I want her to be known as much for her talent as she is for her ass. I was looking up something the other day. Do you remember like six months ago, Chloe was crying on the internet? Literally in February. Okay, a little over six months. I want to say she was like lighting some incense and she had like a t-shirt and underwear on. And people were like talking about her ass and she was talking about how like she doesn't feel sexy. She's not a sexy girl and something like that. Like, you know, this new attention about like her body or her sexiness is it's like jarring to her. But she like had full on tears on the Internet about it, like in February. And then like, you know, fast forward seven months and she's like licking a microphone like she's sucking a dick on stage at MTV. It's it's jarring. It's, it's a jarring, it's not even a transition. It's just like, okay, today I'm A, today I'm Z. What? We just gonna skip everything? What? Okay. What else is going on? There wasn't really that much that happened this week. Mm, because we started off talking about like the crazy shit. I didn't get to tell you. So remember, like I told you last week, I was like, I'm so freaked out because like I'm waiting for my edits to come back. Like there's the network edits and then like there's the edits for this feature and like, yeah. So I turned the thing in on what, like Wednesday, Thursday. I didn't hear from the editor. So I hit her up. I want to say like Sunday. And I was like, hey, um, you know, is is everything okay with the piece? Because usually the turnarounds a lot faster. 
I'm open to like any edits or changes or whatever. But you know, like, let me know anything you need, whatever. So just kind of like a nudge, 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 like, hey, I'm having like a writer flip out. And so she was like, hey, Demetria, me and my husband went to Mexico. And then there was like a hurricane. And we were at the resort. And like, basically, it was abandoned. And we haven't had Wi Fi. And yeah, so I haven't even looked at it. And I was like, okay. But I was like, I really sat here in my own head. And drove my own self crazy. I can't blame it on anybody else. Drove my own self crazy and created a whole narrative about her not liking my writing or the piece not being good or like the interview wasn't strong or whatever. Just a whole ball of insecurity created a whole narrative that didn't even exist. Made a whole thing all about me, about why this woman is not responding to me. Meanwhile, she has left the country on a vacation with her husband and is trapped in a hurricane at an abandoned resort. Way to make it about you, D. And I was like, every little moment of insecure suffering that I've had for that, that four days, I deserved it because I did it to myself. And I was like, let this be a lesson. Let this be a lesson to not make shit all about you. <sighs> How many times like, I learned like, the same lesson? I'm like 41. I'm like, shit, I'm 42. I don't like this process of life. I would like life to just, you know... You get to a point, like, you, just, you know everything, and then you just, like, live, like, I don't know, like, another 30 years, 40 years. I feel like I want at least 45 more summers. At least 45 more summers. I feel like it would be so much easier if I could just, you know, learn everything and then operate for, like, you know, the duration of my time with all this abundance of knowledge. I'm tired of learning the same damn lessons. What can I do to learn the lesson once and move on? Why do I gotta keep learning the same shit over and over? This adulthood, adulthood is ghetto. Oh, there's this other thing. We're all pop culture this episode. Nothing of depth. Okay, so 9-11, Saturday. I was supposed to go out. One of my friends was in town and was throwing like this big party. It was kind of indoorsy. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of good on that. And then also it was like 9-11. But I really just didn't want to be out just like partying and gallivanting on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Like I just, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to like recognize the magnitude of the day and I've gone out on 9-11 before before, but I just didn't feel like doing anything this year so I actually stayed home for most of the day and I was watching September 11th documentaries there are two really really good ones one of them came out on Apple it's about George Bush and his inner circle on 9-11 but it's George Bush Dick Cheney Colin Powell Condoleezza Rice It's all them talking about 9-11 and basically what a gigantic shit show it was with Bush. Like, if you remember, he was in Florida reading to some kids when 9-11 happened and he was told about it. And then he sat there stuck on stupid for a couple minutes and then reacted. He got a lot of flack for that. Since 9-11 or since Bush was out of office and actually since the Obamas were out of office, Michelle Obama and George Bush picked up this cute little friendship where he's just completely smitten with her and he's always bringing her candy. At one of his parents' funerals, it might have been his dad's, he made a point to walk over to Michelle Obama and give her some candy. He don't play about Michelle. And I think because of their affection for one another, it softened his image. And I also think because Trump was so damn awful it looks like, in retrospect, that George W. Bush wasn't that bad. Watching this documentary, 
I was infuriated at how incompetent he was. It was like, it makes America and our chain of command look like a bunch of bumbling idiots. And I was like, why would you put this documentary out basically telling the whole world, including people who mean us harm, us as an Americans who might be wanting to plan another attack of some sort, why would you put out something that shows us looking so damn dumb? On 9-11, and this may be common knowledge, it wasn't to me because I didn't, I purposely avoided a lot of 9-11 commentary for the last 20 years. The president of the United States could not get intel because the satellites on the plane were outdated. His vice president, that Cheney, gets taken to the war room underneath the White House. They get down there and they're having problems getting intel too because the room hasn't been updated in 20 years. So all their technology is out of date. A whole bunch of people are down there. People start falling asleep, start yawning. Everyone's passing out. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Have we been drugged? No. It's too many people in the room and the oxygen got low. I was like, what? What? They were watching CNN. There was no special intel, no like, I don't know, red phone alert where like they're getting special intel that is not available to the rest of the world. They're watching CNN like everybody else to find out what's going on in New York and D.C. How? How? Like, we thought Trump was a bumbling idiot. George Bush was just as stupid. He just had people around him that propped him up better. It's so bad. It's so embarrassing to watch. I was like, we look like idiots. Watch it to be appalled and be like, oh, my God. He also didn't go to New York until he flew back to D.C. He was in Florida. He flew to two other places before he actually made it back to the White House, which it was supposed to be for security reasons. And I was like, I get it. I get it. I do. I get it. He's the president. At one point, they were afraid that Air Force One would be shot down. I get it. And I also understand that's a day that was like unprecedented. Like no one thought that was going to happen. No one knew what to do. But I was just like, yo, like the people in charge are just as like, you know, bumbling and what the fuck is the rest of us? Like, that's not comforting. Remember when Michelle Obama was promoting her book? She was doing that series of like rock star talks at all those arenas. She said something. I think she said it in the book, but she definitely said it on stage. Actually, might have it on video from when I went. But she was talking about how like she had been in these rooms with the most important people in the world, the most highly intelligent global leaders, all the people that you think of is like very smart and very respected and they must know what they're doing. And she was like, I've been in those rooms and I'm telling you, they're no smarter than the average person. It's a scam. They're scamming you. And that's exactly what I thought watching this documentary. We've elected these people and these people have appointed people to be in positions of power because they're supposed to be smarter than the rest of us. But when shit hits the fan... Are they really? And then when I saw he didn't make it to New York until September 14th, I was like, it's right there. Why did it take you so long to get there? You didn't have to dig through the rubble to find people. The firefighters were doing that. All these other people who didn't have to be there were like getting up and going down there to volunteer. All you had to do was show up with all your security in tow, stand there 
and greet the American people just to say like, your leader is here. I've come to see you and we will get through this. Something like the next day. This is leadership 101. Like if you, if you can't show up in a crisis, what the fuck are you leading for? Oh, it's a really good documentary, but it was exhausting. Absolutely exhausting to watch. What is it called? It's on Apple TV. 9-11 inside the president's war room. And then I also watched this documentary on Netflix. It's called Turning Point, 9-11 and the War on Terror. So it's about 9-11. And then it has three more episodes. And that delves into the impact of 9-11. So us going to war. It started in Afghanistan. And then somehow we ended up like, and then somehow we ended up attacking Saddam Hussein, who had nothing to do with 9-11. Like it goes into like all of that. And then it gets into, I think it's the final episode where it talks about defeating the Taliban, good. And then it talks about Americans trying to train the Afghan army to fight. And they have soldiers who were over there and they're basically explaining how from the very beginning, they knew this was like a no-go, non-starter effort. Like they were just over there like, okay, you won't bring us out. So we're just here trying to survive. But this whole idea that y'all going to train this army, like it was never going to happen from jump. So one of the soldiers is like, um, he was like, yeah, like we were like trying to train the army. And he was like, but like, they were like all like high on heroin. What? He was like, yeah. And then like they had these, um, they had these young guys, like the chai boys. And I was like, the Chai Boys? And he was like, yeah, like they were like these young kids. They were like 11, 12, 13, and they'd be like serving tea all day. And he was like, but everyone knew like, you know, what the plan was at night. I'm sorry, excuse me? He was like, they were very pretty young men. And he was like, but, you know, clearly they were having sex with the boys. What? Then they talk about like all the waste of money. One of the best instances was they bought this plane. Some like really expensive, state of the art, like wonderful plane. It costs like, I don't know, like 30, 40 million. And none of the Afghan soldiers knew how to fly it. So they have video of this very expensive plane that they spent 30 million dollars on. And the guy is trying to pilot it and it's just scraping against the runway. But he was like, yeah, like we just, we blew through like all the money. And he was like, there were all these contractors that we gave this money to. And it was supposed to be like this trickle down thing. He was like, no, none of that happened. We just gave the money to the contractors and like nothing ever came of it. It makes me think very differently about the U.S. exit from Afghanistan, which was, you know, messy and terrible and probably should have been. And I think by all accounts should have been better coordinated. And yet we had to get the fuck out of Afghanistan. We couldn't stay there forever. Like it was a money pit. It was a money pit. I was like, this is crazy. So now I'm trying to find, apparently there's some documentaries specifically about these chai boys and the Afghan army and like basically the rape of these kids. Somebody mentioned that there was a documentary about this to me and they couldn't remember the name of it. So if you know the name of this documentary or even the book, I think there's a book and the documentary. But if you know the name of either one, please let me know because I would like to know more about this. Like this is, that's some wild shit. If you would like to be largely outraged and like walk around like appalled and be like, oh my God, I can't believe like America is, you know, I said America is like a fake Gucci belt from Canal Street. And this woman corrected me and she was like, no, it's Michael Kors. She was like, we're not even a knockoff of high end luxury. I was like, oh dear. 
This is America. <sighs> so that is our episode for this week. One more thing before I go. I am working on the Ratchet and Respectable merch. I told y'all last year when I dropped the Ratchet and Respectable merch, people were like, when are you re-upping? And I was like, in October. And people were like, no, like, when are you re-upping? And I was like, in, in October. So <laughs> there's going to be a merch drop in October. In the meantime, um, over the summer, I took the sweatshirts off of the site for obvious reasons. But as the temperatures are cooling, I put the sweatshirts for Ratchet and Respectable and Don't Waste Your Pretty back on the site. So the Ratchet and Respectable ones, um, they're black. And I think there's only extra smalls and smalls for the sweatshirts and hoodies, at least the Ratchet and Respectable ones. So a unisex small is a woman's medium and a unisex extra small is a woman's small. And then the Don't Waste Your Pretty ones, there's a range of sizes, but I think they're mostly like 2X to 4X. I only really have the plus sizes for those. But the new merch will be smalls to 2Xs. So I will let you know as soon as we have a date on which those will drop. I'm quite excited about it. I've been working on the designs. One of them is the logo for the podcast. I think most of the Ratchet and Respectable merch will be actually podcast green is what I've been referring to. It also happens to be like the it color um, for this upcoming season. I kept seeing all fashion week. There were people in this like very particular shade of like my podcast green. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, So this is a good time to drop the green merch. This makes me happy. If you're interested in merch, you can get it on the website, DemetriaLLucas.com. So there's the sweatshirts and the hoodies and also the Don't Waste Your Pretty mugs. I know sometimes people take off for their hot coffee in the summer. I do. I switch over to iced. But if you're back on hot coffee, there are mugs to remind you, don't waste your pretty at the start of your day or the middle of your day. How many times are you drinking coffee a day? I only do two in the morning. If I do it after 12, I'll be up all night. So, yeah, that is everything. And we will speak again on Friday. Okay. Bye.